Thank you for listening to a sermon from the District Church. For more information about us, please visit www.thedistrict.church. Additionally, if any of our sermons have brought encouragement to you, would you please let us know by emailing us at info at thedistrict.church. That's right. <laughs> well, I uh, just want to, every time I get to come in, I get to come in a little bit early today, and every time I get to come in and hear our band just, you know, lift us up into uh, the presence of God, it's just such a honoring thing for me, an exciting thing for me, and I don't know um, if it just has to do with the size of the building or that we're in a really echoey place or something, um, but it really feels like God is here and, uh, you know, the voices rain out, so um, yeah, I just, I, I want to recognize that and thank everybody that, that puts in the time to do that. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, so if you guys don't know me, uh, my name is Alec. I am not Dwayne or Josh or Wayland. Um, look a little bit different, um, but uh, yeah, my name is Alec. I've been coming here um, with my wife, uh, Jenny, and our little guy, Roman, for about a year now. Um, last time I got to speak, we were in the movie theater, so uh, we upgraded, uh, which is awesome. They even put a new backdrop on for me. They got my... <laughs> you know, notes. I was really frustrated with the old one. Now it looks awesome. So <laughs> glad, glad they got that for me. Um, yeah, so I'm honored to be here, honored for the opportunity to teach um, and to talk with you guys about uh, what is on uh, my heart, God placed there. Um, and just to learn a little bit together, um, that's, that's the great opportunity we have in this uh, really intimate space is to be able to do that. So um, I'm also um, the co-owner of Indie Coffee Roasters, uh, which is a cafe in, in Carmel. Um, that's where I've had the opportunity to meet a lot of you guys. Um, Dwayne has met a lot of uh, the new faces around here there. So um, we call it like the farm league for the district is uh, <laughs> Indie Coffee Roasters. So um, if you're afraid to invite them here, invite them there first and then it'll be okay. Um, yeah, so, uh, but with that, with my job, that's what I get to do um, throughout the week. I have the opportunity each and every day to get to meet people um, and uh, meet people who specifically just genuinely love the people around them. Um, if you've been into a coffee shop or, or things, a, a community space, um, it's really, really cool to see how people interact with each other, uh, learn about what's going on in their lives. Um, and I have the opportunity with my job to be able to do that on a regular basis. So um, truly honored to be able to do that and excited every time we get that. Um, it's really a great picture of what community looks like. You know, I picture um, those community environments in the Bible uh, being spaces where people came and, and traded commodities or uh, interacted and learned about what's going on in people's lives, uh, much like what they were doing then. So uh, truly excited um, and understand that spaces like that are only really, um, you know, uh, duplicated by spaces like this, you know, uh, the community groups that we get to have, the opportunities we get to have with potlucks and sit down and just have dinner together, um, all of that, as well as the opportunity to worship together. Um, that community is really, you know, unmatched. Um, and uh, that's honestly what really brought uh, Jenny and I here, uh, was that need for community, that need and desire to uh, have a faith uh, family that 
uh, really cares about one another and wants you know to know uh, how we're doing as well as um, is hurting when when we're not there um, and uh, and it feels like something's missing so um, if you're new here um, that's what we have here uh, which is uh, really exciting so uh, I highly encourage you to get plugged in uh, to different things you won't be uh, frustrated by it um, so I highly uh, encourage you guys to do that um, for much of my time, uh, what we're going to talk about today uh, is work. Um, I called the message today, Work Hard. I uh, wanted to call it Work Hard, Play Hard, but I thought that was a little funny. Um, or, yeah, so, um, but work for me was always, uh, I guess work and God always was a difficult thing. That combination was always really difficult for me to nail down um, or me for, for me to really understand because uh, in our culture, you know, it feels like work is here and like what you get to do day to day is here and then like family and your faith and that is over here and sometimes they intersect like if you're a really good Christian you'll like hold a Bible study or something at your, at your work or like have a prayer thing or something uh, but you know once you're out of that then you'll move back into like the grind of just day to day work um, and for much of my life uh, work and God was interchangeable. So uh, my background um, was uh, in ministry for six years of my life. Uh, my work life day to day was uh, going into a church and working from there. Uh, still had a lot of the uh, same, you know, issues. Uh, you know, work drama. It's not. Uh, it's not. Uh, not at the church as well. It's there. Uh, sometimes even worse. But um, it's there and. Um, but the difference was, you know, God was like a part of my quarterly goals, I guess. So, you know, and it's really, really funny to think about that as, as someone in full-time ministry, um, being paid on a weekly basis um, to work uh, as a pastor is, is uh, it's an interesting thing. Um, and it made it really easy to feel like I was furthering God's kingdom because, one, I was getting paid to do it, but two, I was also getting like tracked by um, how successful different things were. So, you know, tracked by how many people are attending service or how many people accepted Christ or how many people signed up for this retreat or, you know, whether it was successful or not or how many people came to your Bible study or joined a community group or, or things like that. And my, my work standards or... Um, how I was treated, not treated, but how I was sort of gauged was based on some of those benchmarks, and those happened to be, um, you know, in one way sort of uh, furthering the kingdom of God. But uh, for me, it wasn't until Jenny and I decided to make the decision to pursue Indie Coffee Roasters, which um, isn't necessarily an openly Christian group uh, or company, uh, that we began to realize that for most people, work and God are sort of separate, that their day-to-day -day 40 hours a week um, can feel like two separate ideas from their spiritual life or, or their interactions with, with God or maybe even interactions with other Christians or, or things like that. Um, so for me, as I made the transition into, into secular work is what you could call it, uh, I began to realize that spiritual life and the gospel moving forward has to be a priority. Um, it had to be a priority for me because I was no longer, 
you know, be engaged on whether I launched a Bible study or, or whether I attended church at all um, or whether I invited anybody. Um, no one in, the, in our business world is tracking whether I'm doing that or not. Um, so what I began to realize is that a priority had to happen, and I'm sure all of you feel that as well, or you feel that like rub of tension of like, I have these work goals, but I also have these goals of, of wanting to, you know, further the gospel or, or lead people through a spiritual uh, journey. Um, so that, it just became tough to really balance, I guess, or like weigh the two together. Like I said, I was no longer being measured uh, for the success of how many people attended um, what I was putting on at the church or worship services, but I instead was tasked with sharing the gospel in a place uh, that wasn't necessarily overtly advertising it. You know, if you come into our cafe, we, we don't have crosses everywhere, and we're not like always playing worship music, and, and not that any of that is bad if, if you guys are a part of businesses that do that. We just don't. So uh, we're not overtly advertising that. Um, so that can be tough. You know, it can be tough to not feel um, like those things are separate. Um, and obviously in, our, in, in my world today, um, you know, spiritual life can definitely be put on the back burner because it's all about, you know, your profit numbers and all about how much staff you're doing and whether they get raises or not or, or uh, you know, how successful you are. Or for us, being a small business, very young, you know, how long we keep the doors open, you know, whether, whether we have to close or not. Um, those, those are things that really weigh on us, not necessarily like what is the spiritual level of my staff right now um, or... Uh, how are they doing, you know, mentally, or even customers, like what, what's going on in their life, or how can we help as a company, or, or things like that, um, and then even more, obviously, we, we made the decision in 2017 to really pursue Indie Coffee, I left uh, ministry after six years or so, and moved, um, or at least paid ministry, and moved into that uh, full-time, and then our world really changed when we had our, our little uh, one, Roman, um, and any of you parents in there, everybody says it all the time, but any parents in there know that, you know, your life really changes when that happens. Um, when you have a little one of your own, um, you really, for me, uh, and this is when really we started to transition away from uh, the previous church we were at uh, to the district, uh, was I started to wrestle with, um, as he was a, you know, a real little one, um, wrestle with this idea of why do I believe in God? Uh, why am I coming to church? I'm not being tracked anymore as whether I'm here or not. Um, I'm not being, you know, my pay isn't dictated on whether I attend or, or something. So why am I going anymore? You know, what is it that uh, is really bringing me there? Um, and I also ran into the, Jenny and I both ran into this uh, this idea that, you know, at some point, you know, we're going to have to share with him why we go to church or why we, even more importantly, why we believe in God at all um, and because he's going to have that choice as well. Um, and uh, we want to give him that opportunity to decide whatever path he would like to take. But I knew that I couldn't sit down with him and say, you know, we go to church because I get paid to go to church or uh, we go to church because it's what you're supposed to do. You know, when I stopped getting paid there, I... I realized that I just was going because I felt like I was supposed to. You know, you, 
have a kid and you put them in the nursery and they learn their little Bible stories and then, you know, you sit and worship and like get some nuggets back on how to do uh, whatever you need to do. Uh, but I was realizing that my faith in God didn't really have like a reason for me to be there anymore, uh, which really made me wrestle with this idea of did I really have a reason to be there in the first place? Um, I hoped so, you know, I hope it's, and I'm sure, you know, throughout that process, it, it did feel that way, but um, it was definitely for that reason that I began to really think about why, you know, what's the, what's the reasoning? It's no longer my job, so, so why? And, and that's that idea of making a, a priority in your life. You know, I had a, I had a really uh, decent opportunity to not prioritize it any, anymore, and if I'm honest with you guys, I definitely didn't for uh, for much of the time as we were getting ready for Roman to be here and, and the business launching and all of that. Um, and so I realized that I couldn't merely follow God because I'm a pastor um, because that wasn't a good enough answer for a Roman. Uh, it's, not, it's not a good enough answer for him for me to say, that's why. Uh, I need to understand again how important it is to fully align uh, my life altogether with work and with family and with faith and, and with how we're pursuing God, uh, all of that had to be aligned in order for me to honestly sit down with him and say, this is why, you know, we go to church or this is why we're involved in this community. Um, this is why we care about everybody here. And that was when we made that transition to, to move uh, to join you guys here. And um, we, if any of you guys have come for or any amount of time, you realize that you don't, you know, I worked uh, previously in a much larger church, so you had the opportunity to like slink back in the back and, you know, be on your own. Uh, they didn't really know I was here. I can see all of you guys here, <laughs> and I know you're here, <laughs> um, and you, uh, you guys uh, know everybody else is here, so there isn't that opportunity here, um, so it really forces you to um, come to grips with What's going on? Uh, and that's what we had to do. Um, what I began to realize was making this transition uh, is that most of us in this room, all of us here, don't work in the church, you know, uh, especially here at this church, you know, um, and most of us aren't professionally paid to share the gospel. If you are, keep doing it, and don't only do it for the paycheck, but, but do it for much more than that. Uh, the problem that all of us face is that alignment problem. This idea that for most of us here, um, we all face a work week 40 hours a week that we're doing something and we wake up and have to clock in or, or show up or be there and you're held on standards that may not necessarily be overtly Christian or, or uh, faith-based or spiritual at all. Um, they may be uh, you know, totally in a, in a different way. And again, what you'll find through the passage that we'll go through today is that that is 100% great, and it's, and it's an awesome opportunity. Um, don't, don't think, um, you know, that this is a message to recruit all of you to become pastors and, and do this thing. If that's what you need to do to further, the, further your gospel, then go for that. But um, I strongly believe that we all have this opportunity uh, during the week to do something really powerful. Um, but again, that rub that we have, that sort of tension as we're sort of building up this tension, the dichotomy of 
the pursuit of your professional goals while also balancing the hope that you have in furthering the gospel. That like rub and tension is there, and I think it's important to recognize that uh, and identify it and, and realize what we need to do with that. Um, for those of us here uh, who work in the secular world, as you can call it, um, our lives can, like I said, sometimes feel split up. Um, they can feel like, you know, God is here usually on the weekend. Um, you know, I do stuff with my small group and whatever, but those lines don't really intersect. Um, and uh, maybe you don't have that, maybe we all don't have the opportunity to make those intersect that much um, for whatever reason, uh, but it definitely feels split. Um, it feels like you have your stuff here, and, you know, we feel that at work, we're the work us, you know, and, uh, and at church or at home, we're the spiritual version of us. Um, and those can look very different. And for some of us, uh, it can look very different even on how we interact with the people around us. You know, we can be really tough and hardcore at, at work because that's what we feel like we have to be. Um, and then in our home life or, or spiritual avenues, we tend to be a little more passive or, or uh, not as aggressive. Um, and we, again, for some reason believe that, um, for whatever reason, that when we become Christians, that that tension has to be eliminated and our professional trajectory now needs to be toward ministry 100% or, or pursuing that ministry professionally. Um, I know that growing up, that was a lot of what I wrestled with and, and a lot of what I felt like was right. It was, you know, accepting Christ and then you enjoy it, you join the worship team or you volunteer in kids or you do this and then you join the leadership team and then they ask you to get up here and speak and then they, uh, and you know, and then it's like, hey, you're really good at speaking. Maybe you should be a, a pastor and do it all the time. And then it's like, okay, well, that's my life now because that's, you know, what I need to be to be a Christian is that's like the Mecca spot is, you know, pastors, those are the ones that God loves the most. <laughs> uh, which is just such a tough thing because I'm sure all of us around here, you know, we're not all gifted to come up here and speak, you know. Uh, we're not all gifted to come and play guitar. You don't want me to do that. Um, we're not all gifted to go and hang out in kids and, and go and do that. We're all gifted in different avenues. Um, and it wasn't really for me, uh, again, just wrestling through all of this, um, what really came to head was uh, interacting with Jenny and interacting with some of you uh, ladies here that are uh, people that create things with their hands. Um, so many times in church, there's not avenue for people that love art or people that draw or people, you know, that create some really killer wooden work. We all know who that is. Um, and secret plug, uh, check her out on Etsy. No, um, <laughs> Uh, there's just not necessarily avenues for that. And so that, again, is what pushes that separation even more. Uh, I know for Jenny, that separation just continued to happen because it's like, well, I, you know, I don't want to, you know, I'm not really into teaching these lessons like this. And, I, you know, my real passion is designing really amazing stuff. And where is that for me, you know, in God? And, and for some of you guys, it could be stuff totally different. You know, uh, it could be teaching or 
or uh, interacting with kids on a regular basis or doing some counseling stuff or, um, you know, doing sales or whatever it may be, like those avenues and passions are there for a reason. And we all have those passions there. And I strongly believe that God doesn't call us to minimize those um, because I know I don't want to be a part of a church that has 40 pastors here. You know, I want to be in a space where we're all heavily pursuing different avenues because if we all can go at it in our different areas for 40 hours a week, think about the impact that we can really have. Like, that's insane, you know, and much more impact than if we hired all of us to all be pastors here and all, you know, just we're so limited uh, by what that can look like. Um, and again, you know, we have, like I said, we have some reason when we become Christians that our professional trajectory has to follow suit with that. Uh, but this couldn't be further from the truth. You know, it couldn't be uh, further from where God is calling us as a faith body to go. Um, we cannot serve a God, like I said, uh, that would create each of us to fill only a few specific positions, uh, a few uh, specific spots. Uh, like I said, he's all given us passions and goals and hopes and dreams for our lives and desires. Um, and those are all, again, wonderful, like really awesome opportunities that each of us have um, to run after things. Um, and the great part about it, especially here uh, where we live and in America, we have options. We have options to pursue those passions in a big way and make, it, and make a substantial impact uh, on the gospel. Uh, we can pursue, you know, self-employment or startup uh, companies or corporate jobs or stay-at-home careers, um, all of those offering different opportunities uh, to further the gospel, um, many of which don't come with the title of pastor, um, most of which don't. Um, yeah, and so this idea of work and this dichotomy or, or like, tension that's there uh, with work and, and uh, the gospel uh, is really something important to unpack. Um, so today we're going to dissect this idea of working hard uh, and furthering the gospel in Acts chapter 16. Uh, we're going to start in, in verse 11 uh, if we can. Uh, but before we do that, uh, we're going to pray and then get going. God, thank you for uh, just the opportunity to be here, the opportunity to be in this space, uh, the wonderful opportunity we've had to uh, worship together already. Uh, you are in this place. Um, we are here with you. Um, and God, I, I pray that you uh, eliminate me from this stage and allow uh, your word to be uh, made known. Uh, I partner with the Holy Spirit uh, to uh, lift you up and, and teach whatever uh, you have uh, for us today. Again, thank you for your word, uh, the refreshing value that it that, uh, brings, and uh, God continue to honor and bless um, what is happening here. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, um, so last week, uh, Wayland uh, got to share a little bit uh, about where we are in Acts. Um, we're in the middle, uh, he painted it really well, in the middle of an uncertain journey, um, this idea of, you know, Paul... Uh, saw some success um, in the areas that he was, but, but maybe some of that had started to stagnate a little bit, um, and he felt the Holy Spirit leading to the next path, uh, so leading to the next area or the next place for them to go. 
So they made the decision to start pursuing ministry uh, in Macedonia for the very first time. Um, much of Eastern Europe uh, at the time being controlled by Rome, uh, which humongous empire, huge big thing, whole big deal. Uh, and that's where we meet Paul and his team right now. Um, is uh, They just uh, started that little journey. Um, so we're going to read Acts chapter 16, verse 11. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight to Samothrace. Again, they don't pay us to say those words right. Um, <clears throat> and the next day, we went to Neapolis. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of that district in Macedonia. And we stayed there for several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the woman or women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God, and the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house, and she persuaded us. So, we've got a lot going on there um, and a lot of things happening. Um, so, I'm going to break it down a little bit verse by verse if we can. Uh, so, in verse 11, they're traveling via sea uh, to Macedonia. Um, and I think in the Bible, we sort of forget like what it looked like to travel by sea at that point. Um, it's not like, you know, Carnival Cruise style where we're, you know, you got all-inclusive and all of this cool excursions and whatever. Like, this is a tough journey, man. It's hard. And um, I imagine that um, it wasn't necessarily easy for them. Um, so, you know, just sort of picture that in your head. Um, not to forget how difficult it was. Verse 11. Verse 12, they make the journey uh, to the Roman colony of Philippi. And... Uh, the interesting part about this um, that I learned while sort of reading through it was that Philippi uh, is in Macedonia. Uh, Philippi is a colony that's governed by Rome. So uh, it's not necessarily Rome specifically, uh, but I've heard it um, shared like uh, Puerto Rico is to the United States. So um, not necessarily is the United States, but still very much governed. And, you know, um, so what that means is that uh, the people in Philippi or the, uh, the way it looks or things like that was very much Roman-inspired. Um, and that also means that the, the Roman influence was heavy there with the people there. So um, that, again, gives you a little bit of con context into the influence that we're seeing in this space. Uh, verse 13, uh, it was a small Jewish town, um, so there, uh, the interesting part as well is that if there aren't 10 uh, Jewish men in one given area, then they don't build a synagogue. Um, so that's why you don't see this group of people uh, worshiping in a synagogue. Instead, uh, they're down by the river. This tends to happen because the river is, is one of those community environments, a hopping place. People are uh, washing clothes or getting you know, water or, or doing a ton of different things. So um, obviously on the Sabbath, they're doing something different, at least the Christ followers um, on the river. Uh, but that's still where you may interact with some non-Christians or, or, or uh, non-believers. Uh, so, uh, so what happens is uh, this group of people met by the river to pray. 
Um, and uh, they came upon a Bible study of women in the town. And what I love about this is that there's not 10 Jewish men, so they don't go and build a synagogue, but the women are still like, hey, we're stepping up and making this thing happen, and, uh, you know, we don't care that there's not 10 dudes here. We're going to, like, start worshiping God on our own and do this big thing. So um, really exciting that the, that that was a big part. I I always think it's uh, fairly typical of, of faith of women to really continue to lead the charge, especially in, in non-Christian families, and, and start to pursue that. Um, so uh, verse 14, uh, we run into Lydia. Uh, she is a spiritual, uh, they call her sort of businesswoman, so uh, not necessarily a Christian at the time, but uh, still has very religious or, or spiritual aspects to her life. Um, and uh, we realize that she's made her faith a priority uh, because she's not, you know, working on that day, but she's uh, setting it aside for something like that. Um, and it says also that her heart is an open heart, so she's open to, to something. Um, she, uh, and then verse 15, it says, um, her entire household and her were baptized. Uh, much of what we see in Scripture as we read throughout um, is that they don't waste any time when it comes, comes to getting baptized. Uh, they accept the, the gospel, and they're like, all right, where's the like, next tank of water? I'm ready to roll. Let's do this thing. Um, and I love that about the, the passion of the early Christians. I, I love that. It's, uh, it really inspires me to respond and not necessarily in baptism all the time, but respond when God puts something on our heart to like go and act. Uh, that was a really inspiring piece for me. Um, but the cool part about that is Lydia didn't just stop with like taking care of her household. Uh, she then offered the, you know, probably uh, gross, smelly guys that just got off the sea of all of this journey uh, to come and stay at their house. Um, and uh, offered them to spend uh, time with her after their really long journey um, and, uh, and continue to go together. Um, so that's sort of a little bit of background about each of those verses. Um, so let's uh, dive a little bit deeper into some specific parts of that text. Um, so who is Lydia? Um, Lydia um, is um, a lady who's a, a pretty successful businesswoman. Um, they say that she is wealthy because she's dealing in purple linen. So uh, purple linen is uh, considered high grade or, or a lot of royalty would wear it and use it. Um, so if she's dealing in that, she's dealing with people that have a lot of money. Um, that's also why she's probably successful in Philippi because it's a Roman-influenced environment, so there's probably a lot of wealthy trade going on between Philippi and Rome and, and intersecting in that way. Um, and she's really good at her job, they say, obviously because of the size of her house and, and that she has an entire household, uh, all of that. So she's a businesswoman who's wealthy and talented, but she's also insanely passionate about what she does. Um, because she's, she's zealously continuing to do it, as well as she's a spiritual person. Uh, we see that she's, um, you know, she's a businesswoman, but on the Sabbath she's taking time to not work and, uh, and interact with um, the people in her, in her faith circle. So a strong-willed individual who's passionate about her trade, uh, like I said, she dyed uh, fine fabrics in purple, uh, which is unique to that area, and this meant that she had the opportunity to be very successful in a secular trade. 
um, working with a lot of influential people. Uh, so for her, that's where that opportunity comes into play. Um, she has, you know, one of two opportunities. She can use that uh, in a spiritual avenue as well and, and stick to those passions, or she can uh, use that and just stockpile money and, and be really happy and successful on that side. So she has that opportunity. But what she does that's different um, is that she prioritizes her spiritual life. Um, so although she's passionate about not necessarily being, uh, you know, a pastor or something like that, she, she still prioritizes her spiritual life in a huge way, uh, which is why we see, again, her taking part in this prayer meeting, uh, even though there wasn't a synagogue there. Um, <clears throat> now we want to take a look at what Lydia does in this text. Um, so we got a little background into her. Now we want to uh, see what she does. After listening to Paul's message about the gospel, she responds fully by opening her heart. Um, so they said that background that she did have some spiritual life but wasn't necessarily committed to this uh, gospel furthering journey. Uh, but it says that uh, her heart was opened uh, to whatever God had in store for her at that point. Um, but as I mentioned before, she is a spiritual person, but now she's fully embracing the power of the gospel. Uh, so now she's fully decided that, hey, my life trajectory is now going to follow this idea of furthering the gospel and making it happen in a big way. Um, but, uh, and uh, many believe that she um, fully, like I said, fully embraced uh, the aspect of the gospel. Um, and so she then responded in a big way by being baptized and then sharing the gospel with her household and encouraging them to be baptized as well. So this, again, she doesn't stop there. She takes more action, which is, again, such a cool idea. Um, she continues to take the step further, and she shares the gospel with her entire family. Um, they are then baptized. But then uh, what is really exciting uh, is she takes it further and offers her home uh, for that gospel journey. So she offers her home and for people to stay there um, and, uh, and make that like a community space for Paul uh, and his people. Um, and uh, yeah, so it says in verse 15 again, when she and the members of her household were baptized, she, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And that, were, that persuaded them. Um, so I, I love that part of the text. It's like, well, of course. I mean, I'm a believer in God. Like, why wouldn't you come and take refuge here? Like, silly for you to even ask. I love that, like, just quick action. Like, don't think about it. Not, you know, weighing the, well, should I, should I not? I don't really know them super well. It's like, no, they have a need, and she met the need. Uh, and that was such a powerful piece there. Um, but what she doesn't do uh, is wonder, okay, now I'm a Christ follower. This purple linen thing is like whatever. Um, I wonder what position I get to have at the church now. I wonder, you know, I wonder when my first paycheck's going to be uh, when I sign up to be a preacher. You know, I wonder when that's going to happen. I wonder um, when Paul's going to ask me to leave this job that I have uh, so I can apply to become a minister with him. Like, I wonder when that's going to go down. Um, and she didn't necessarily continue on the journey with Paul and say, okay, I'm going to be a missionary with you um, and make that journey. Again, don't get me wrong. None of these decisions are at all bad decisions. They just weren't the decisions for Lydia. Um, and they weren't the decisions that the vast majority of us will, will take. 
but these decision, decisions, for whatever reason, even in that time, tend to be elevated um, above this idea of staying where you are, using the passions that you have, and using that work for Christ, you know, uh, pivoting that in a way. And that's a wonderful part about this passage is that Lydia continues to pursue her passions because she's like, man, I'm really good at this. I'm like getting a ton of success and like business is going really well. What if I just take this business that I love and I'm really good at it uh, and look at it through a new lens instead? Instead of, you know, just making money and interacting with people and maybe having a really great opportunity for conversation, but it doesn't really go anywhere. Um, instead, what if I take this gospel thing that I have and maybe there's other people I'm interacting with in this business world that have an open heart like me and are wondering about this, what if I keep dyeing this awesome fabric in a purple color and then use those people that I'm heavily influential over and maybe they can be influential over other people and we can spread this gospel much further than if I just jumped on the ship with Paul and, and made this thing happen. Uh, so I love that because I, I really believe that that's the vast majority of all of us uh, as far as opportunities go. Those are where the opportunities lie for us. Um, and as we continue to read through the rest of the New Testament, we get references back to Lydia and Philippi and all of this. Uh, in Philippians uh, verse, or chapter 1, verse 3 through 5, um, Paul sa- or the writer says, I thank my God every time I remember you and all of my prayers for all of you. I, will, I always pray with joy because your partnership with the gospel, because of your partnership with the gospel from the very first day until now. Um, that reference of the... Uh, strong action that they took even on the very first day that they that they joined them there um, many of you sitting in this room aren't employed by a church uh, aren't paid on a daily basis to share the gospel um, many of you in this room like I said don't receive a paycheck uh, that's garnered on how many people attend the service or how many people um, how many people are doing that but like Lydia that doesn't mean that you have to leave the gospel to Dwayne and Josh it is in great hands, and don't get me wrong, uh, but we don't have to leave it there. Like, we can't leave it there uh, because they have a job to do, and they have skills and passions and desires and things, and they're running after their opportunities. But, like, there's way more opportunities out there for you. And that doesn't mean that you have to receive this message of the gospel and then go and put in your two weeks tomorrow and say like, okay, I'm done with this thing that a week ago I was super passionate about, but like God can't like work through me if I'm passionate about making money that isn't for the church, and uh, that's not what it's about. Instead, what it means is that you look at your week, and you ask, how can you use your passions? How can I use your goals uh, and desires to further the gospel? Take what you're doing insanely well, you guys are all really talented in each avenue that you're going at. Take that and use the gospel as a lens now. Uh, use the gospel as a compass for, for what you want to do. You may have the opportunity to work with some really influential people, or maybe you have an opportunity to interact uh, and have influence over a small group of people. But those small group of people may have an open heart like Lydia had. And I can't speak to them because I don't have the relational value or influence with them, but you guys have that opportunity. Not only, um, 
not only Lydia, but throughout Scripture, we see people in the secular world that Christ partners with uh, to use their skills that they've been given in order to further the gospel. Each of you, again, uh, have been given an opportunity, even this past week, uh, to breathe life into those around you. Um, it doesn't have to be this big, amazing thing. Um, like Waylon said last week, it's just a series of small yeses that lead to this big change. Uh, just a series of saying, yes, God, I'm going to follow this conversation, or yes, God, I'm going to be there for somebody, or yes, I'm going to just show up and do my work on time and the best of my ability, and those people will see Christ through that. Um, and each of you have given an opportunity and a chance to take the skills you've been blessed with and use that influence bestowed upon you to further the gospel in a really big way. Uh, and that's the wonderful part, again, as we come back in full circle, that's the wonderful part about being a part of this family and of being about a part of the family of God uh, is that each of us, each of you here are different. You know, each, uh, no one is, is exact replica of the one you're sitting beside, um, and each of you has been blessed to serve in a different way and serve differently than those around you. Uh, and like I said, uh, let's take a note, and you guys have an opportunity to take a note from Lydia and have an open heart and then go and act, man. Like when someone's hurting and, and struggling, well, you call me a Christ follower, so why wouldn't I take care of you? Like, you call me, you know, a lover of God, what, what do you mean? You don't even need to ask. Like, this is just what we do. Uh, so take that opportunity and stick in your spot and act. And what I want to ask you as we, as we close things up um, is what it would look like if we, tr- we all truly embrace what we're passionate about. Because uh, I believe that it really would change the world that we live in Um, And when I talk about world, it feels like a daunting thing, but we each have these little microcosms of a world that we live in that we have influence over. I truly believe that we could build a church that people look back on like they did in Philippi and realize this this is a start from something. Like, and it wasn't this big, huge thing. It wasn't this amazing, huge launch or, or whatever. But it was just a series of small yeses and series of small little action steps. I'm sure Lydia had no idea that when she said, yeah, stay at my house, that that was what was going to begin to launch one of the most influential churches in the New Testament and bring the gospel into Rome and bring the gospel, honestly, into America years and years after that. Um, if it wasn't for that small yes, then it wouldn't have been there. And, and what's even better about that is, is if, if she wasn't successful in her job and she wasn't passionate about that, she wouldn't have had the money to buy that house. And she wouldn't have had the time or the freedom to uh, be able to spend time with her entire household and do that. So the money that she made was used for the gospel in a really powerful way, uh, even though on paper it may not have looked that way. Uh, Dwayne and Kelsey and Josh began this uncertain journey uh, with us here at the district a long time ago, and they decided to say, hey, we need to bring the gospel to Indiana. They took a small step of a yes to say, hey, we're going to go and do that, Um, and they've walked in step with Christ along that whole journey, Uh, and when God gave them that vision to do that, uh, they realized that the gospel needed to be here. but the amazing part about this is that we, like Lydia, have that opportunity to partner there. Uh, we have uh, the opportunity to have an open heart 
and listen to the gospel that's been heard and partner together. Um, we're on the cusp of something very exciting, and, and the amazing part about this entire story of Acts is that we were just like them. Uh, we have to stop and merely look. We can't stop and merely look at those uh, who get paid to do ministry as those are the only people that are here to further the gospel. But the message of the gospel and the furthering of it is in our hands. Uh, it's in all of our hands, our pastors and everybody else around us. We've been blessed with the opportunity to work in countless fields, as I talked about before, uh, to share the passions that are unlike anything else. And what that does is opens multiple doors. Not just one door, uh, not just one individual, uh, but it opens multiple doors for the opportunity of the gospel message uh, to go much further than if all of us were just paid to get up here and speak. Um, it's time that we stop looking at these opportunities to leave the calling that God gave us uh, and God placed on our heart and start pursuing those chances that each of us have throughout the week to make a difference in the calling that we have. Uh, because God isn't calling all of us to step out uh, of the passions that we have or, or desert the things that we feel like we love. He's not calling this friction and tension to happen. Instead, he's, he's saying, take what you do like really well and, and find joy in that, but do that through the lens of the gospel. Do that because you want to further uh, his message uh, and do that in a big way. We all, again, have an opportunity to work hard uh, but we need to start thinking about uh, working hard through the proper lens. Um, we have the opportunity to work hard in all of the places uh, that we professionally spend time. And I truly believe that that's how we take the gospel to the rest of the world, uh, is stepping in your day-to-day, -day, stepping in the passions that you have, uh, and embracing them and saying, you know, how can I dye this linen the purpliest purple I can? Uh, how can I get a big enough house, not so that I can like sit there and, and look at how awesome I am, but like invite somebody in when they need it? Or how can I get a new car so I can take care of that person that needs a ride to work? Uh, we all have those opportunities, and it's just uh, if we continue to walk in step with the Holy Spirit and continue to say, I'm going to build this passion because of Christ and do it in a way that will help the people around me. That's where our lives can change, and that's where this place can change, uh, and uh, we can look a lot more like uh, the Church of Philippi, like we're on the cusp of something really big um, and really powerful. So I encourage you to go out and do that. Um, go out and think really hard about how can you blend these passions together and make it a really big thing. Um, I'm going to close out and pray. God, thank you for uh, today. Uh, God, thank you for each individual uh, here and the opportunity that they have uh, to further what's going on uh, in their day-to-day -day life. Uh, God, thank you for the chance that we have to partner with you. Uh, have an open heart and open mind. And God, let us continue to be insanely good at the gifts that you've given us um, in order to further your gospel across the world. Um, God, thank you for, again, this place and the opportunity we have to be in your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much, Alec. Hi. Um, as we enter into this time of communion, um, I, I just love coupling it with, with your message on kind of how you utilize your work in order to bring about redemption for those around you. 
Um, and, and it's not always necessarily going to look like the most um, successful or, for lack of a better way, like sexy thing to do. Um, Jesus himself, who is Lord over all, um, who is at the right hand of God, uh, who holds all creation within his hands, um, who sustains all that we are, his job in bringing about redemption for us was to lay aside, to empty himself of his preference, of his um, status, um, his position, what he could demand at any moment because all authority is his. He laid it aside in order to go to the cross to bring about reconciliation for us. And so sometimes with even in our own work, um, the pursuit of us towards others uh, might not look like what we can get from them, but what are we willing to lay down in order to reach them? Um, what are we willing to lay aside in order to come to them? And so when we come to communion, not, not only is this the remembrance and celebration and worship of Jesus and him emptying himself, as Philippians 2 says, in order to pursue obedience even to the point of death on a cross, well, for us, that's going to look like even within our own um, lives, our professions, whatever that looks like, a denial of our own selves in order to pursue the exaltation of others and them coming to know Christ. And so thank you, Alec, for sharing that message for us today. And let us reflect on that as we come to the table and as we see Jesus breaking his body and shedding his blood. And as we essentially kind of launch into Holy Week, um, this entire week is going to be building towards that specific message as we come to Good Friday and as we see the moment in which Christ has ultimately died, um, as God dies in order for us to be brought from death to life. Again, Christianity is not about bad people becoming good. It's about dead people becoming alive. And so Jesus has to be the only sacrifice for us in order for us to be able to come into a relationship with God. And so we worship him in this moment. As we take that bread, we remember Jesus dying on the cross, shedding his blood for the removal of our sins. And this is something to celebrate. It's not something to, to kind of bring condemnation on ourselves or like, I mean, we, we do examine ourselves, but in that we are victorious because we are celebrating. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. For what you've done that I don't have to do. We thank you. So I'm going to have you go ahead and stand in this time as we partake of communion together. Man, let's just worship. Let it be an intimate moment between you and your Savior that you get to have because of what Jesus did. So let's worship in this time of communion together. Thank you for listening to a sermon from the District Church. For more information about us, please visit www.thedistrict.church. Additionally, if any of our sermons have brought encouragement to you, would you please let us know by emailing us at info at thedistrict.church.